this week on the RV podcast. A dismal downturn in the RV industry. Part two of our RV towing interview. How to tow a car behind your RV. The difference between an RV converter and an inverter. Plus travel tips, your RV questions, and much more coming up on episode 458 of the RV podcast. again, everybody. I'm Mike Wendland, and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. And we have had a very busy week. A busy week it has been. We have some very exciting news. We have a new fifth wheel. Yes, we do. It is a 2024 Montana High Country 311 RD. Yes, we traded in our year and a half old Arcadia 32-foot fifth wheel and upgraded to this new 35-foot rig. And why, you ask out there? Uh Well, if you're a regular follower, you know we love the fifth wheel life. But after a year and a half of the Arcadia, we wanted a little bit more space and opted for a washer-dryer combo. Mike was just insistent upon that. He just (laughs) insisted that we needed a washer and dryer. Well, really, in a way, I have, because um, we we tend to do our laundry every third or fourth day. Sometimes uh, you do it even, you do it every day. Well, when we're home. I yeah. do it every day. And boy, we have been to some horrible laundromats on the road. And uh, this is really nice. Well, we can be passive. We've been to some nice ones, but a few have been questionable. <laughs> okay. But a couple other things about this. This has something that we have seen in other RVs, and we always want one an outdoor kitchen. Yeah, a griddle. That's just such a luxury. Carrying around your... Uh, propane and then the little tanks or you hook it up to the big tank you know it just kind of gets to be cumbersome yeah this is it's a lot of extra weight and you got to clean it and this is a smaller griddle it's not a blackstone but it's much like it and uh um i'm, I'm really excited about it and you always feel guilty with those little green tanks you know polluting for eternity those tanks yeah never yeah, was comfortable with them i don't know what they, tanks. what they do with them i don't think they can reuse them i don't think so and then uh, another big thing about this one is uh, our arcadia had a queen bed and that's enough room for the two of us mm-hmm. but uh sometimes it's the three of us sometimes because, it's three of us because bo particularly the first night wherever in a new spot he somehow gets insecure and jumps into bed with us <laughs> he does or if there's a storm or if uh, whatever yep. sets him off, he comes in with us for a little bit. And uh, sometimes it's longer than a little bit. And, you know, two people and a queen with a 65-pound <laughs> dog snuggle up between the two of you. Anybody who has a dog know they start off, you know, just they're just a little itty-bitty thing. And then they get comfortable and they start sprawling out and stretching out their legs. And uh, then you're hanging on the edge. So we picked this up uh, uh, last week and we bought it at uh, Tier RV in Elkhart, traded in our Arcadia. And um, we got a pretty good price for the Arcadia because, you know, it had a bunch of solar, like maximum solar and and uh, and lithium and all that stuff. So um, we made that upgrade. Uh, we loved the Montana. We toured the factory before we bought it and uh, became convinced that the, the quality, that the, the high end quality of a Montana. Uh, we have the Montana high 
country model. And um, we're going to do a whole video tour on it. We brought it to our Michigan property, our 10 acres in Michigan. And we've spent the last several days just taking everything out of the Arcadia, putting it in the uh, fifth wheel, putting it in the right spot. And we shot a, we're shooting a video this week and we hope to have it maybe by the weekend, but we'll see uh, mm. that shows you. So we are pretty excited and you know, we're going to get questions. We're going to get questions. And our- so the big question is, yes, <laughs> we still have our 2022 Class C Leisure Travel Van Unity FX. Now we plan to keep that for the time being, at least right now, because it comes in real handy mooch docking when we go to visit uh, family and friends around the uh, around the country. Yeah, for a short trip, it's absolutely awesome. Yep. But we're calling this uh, new uh, Montana High Country our condo on wheels. We can't wait to show it to you. Uh, check our YouTube channel on Saturday and we should have it. And we got big announcement about that uh, Maritimes tour for the summer of 2024. That Maritime tour, I didn't know so many people wanted to go there. It's filled. It's sold out in just a couple, three days. And there's even a, a waiting list. And uh, you can, I think, still get on the waiting list. Uh, the dates are July 22nd through August 17th of 24. And we should point out, we're not running this tour. We're just going like you. Uh, it's run by Fantasy RV Tours. And uh, we have a link in the show notes for this episode. Um, if you just want to go to it right now, it's rvlifestyle.com slash maritimes. And you can learn more on how to get on the waiting list. But sold out. That's pretty amazing. huh? It is. You know how many people I just checked just before we started uh, the podcast. Do you know how many people are now members of the RV Lifestyle Facebook group? As I know it's 200,000 plus. 205,000. Wow. We just turned 200,000 like two weeks ago, and we're 205,000 now members. Again, a big hats off to our moderators who keep everything, uh, you know, friendly and upbeat and helpful. Uh, Wendy Boyer is one of our moderators, and uh, she files for us every week kind of uh, what's happening in social media, the social media buzz from our RV Lifestyle Facebook group. And she's got lots to say this week. I got to say, I look forward to this every week, the little highlights from... uh our page. Yeah. There's so many interesting things that are, that come up on that uh, group every week. So Wendy, what do you got for us this week? Hi everybody. One post I'd like to share with you this week is from Steve. Now Steve is getting a new RV. He's going to be getting a class B and he asked the group when we're planning to head out for the day, exploring what should we leave behind to show that our campsite is occupied. And as you can imagine, this really got people talking. And of course, most of the time, if you leave your campsite, you have that little registration at the front and people know it's taken and there's no problems. But there were some people that said that they had left for the day in their rig, came back and someone else was in their spot or someone had come to their site and stolen their rug Um, firewood was something I saw. So apparently there have been some bad experiences heading out. So the group came to Steve's rescue with lots of ideas. Um, The most common one was everyone suggested Steve get one of those signs. Um, Some people have little um, like garden flags. They have messages like site occupied, we'll be back, out exploring, be back soon. Um, People said those messages really help. Other people suggested he get some cones, some orange cones to put out. Other people said, get a cheap tablecloth, get a cheap rug, whatever you can do to make sure that the site is um, 
occupied when you're gone is a good idea. So it was an interesting thread, got people talking for sure. And the next thing I'd like to share with you is a picture. I think I've told you all before that sometimes people take pictures and they just go viral. Well, Brandon took a picture of a big class A that he ran into that was pulling this huge travel trailer. And I think there were some bikes on the back of it. We'll make sure to share a picture of you with you in the show notes or on the YouTube here. Um, and this post got everybody talking a lot of, wow, look at that type of things. Um, some people wondering if it was legal and the consensus was it's legal. And then others just saying, why do you need such a big travel trailer? Are you bringing your in-laws with you? Just uh, lots of back and forth like that. But the thing that really caught my eye on this picture was that driver has some skills. I mean, wow, can you imagine driving that, backing that into your campsite? I was impressed. And then finally, the last thing that we'd like to share with you today is from Bob. And Bob asked the question, what should I get to cook on? What's better, a charcoal grill? a gas grill, or a griddle. Now this post got, I think we're approaching 700 responses on this one, and there were a lot of different opinions, as you can imagine. But to try to sum them all up for you guys, um, charcoal seemed to be something that those hardcore grillers who really like their meats just so favored. Although the downside of charcoal was apparently some campgrounds don't allow it. And of course, it takes a little bit longer to cook charcoal because you got to wait for the coals to get hot. A lot of people like their gas grills. Um, that was affordable and uh, easy to set up. But then you had those propane tanks, those canisters that you have to throw away. But the overall favorite, in my opinion, seemed to be the Blackstone griddles. People really like their Blackstones. And people were saying the flavor's great, easy cleanup, easy setup. So lots of opinions there. And if you're into grilling, you might want to check it out. So that's it for me. Just a little sample of what's going on over on the RV Lifestyle Facebook group. And I'll see you next week. So when we tell you that we have a griddle for our new fifth wheel, we also have one for our uh, our Class C motorhome. Uh, we are big fans of the griddle. And, yeah, we uh, even have one of our sticks and bricks house. Yes, yes, we hit now. The other, the first, the other two are Blackstones. The one that came with the Montana is from Suburban. It's uh, it's a little smaller, but it's perfect for two people. And uh, we are uh, big fans of the griddle. It's uh, so easy to clean up once you season the top of that griddle. Uh, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, something else that's cool is what you cook on those griddles and stoves. And Jerrica always has great recipes for us. So let's listen to what she has for this week. Jerrica Ma from CampingFoodRecipes.com. Hey, Camping Foodies, Jerrica here with CampingFoodRecipes.com. And I bet a lot of your ears are gonna perk up when I tell you that this week's recipe is a giant cookie. So if you've ever been to uh, BJ's Brew House, there's something called a pizuki. And yep, if you know it, you love it because it's a giant soft cookie that's cooked and served in a skillet with your favorite toppings on top that you just grab spoons and dig right in. Well, you can make that same pizuki style cookie at your campsite. And so you can see already how it can become a family favorite um, and a great substitute for s'mores if you're feeling like you've done that a little too much. Um, and it's actually really easy to make. And the best part about it is you can make this cookie dough at home in advance. It freezes really well and refrigerates really well. And so whenever you're just craving a giant cookie, <laughs> you can take it out of your RV, 
pack it into your little skillet, ba um, bake it over the campfire, um, or you can actually bake it in your RV oven and the recipe tells you how to do that as well. But either way, you end up with this big, yummy, gooey cookie that you just pass spoons around the campfire and all dig in. So it's fun, it's delicious, um, and it's really a family favorite that's worth trying out. And that's one of the desserts that we have on our site. We do have a twist on s'mores. So if you're tired of s'mores, but you still love s'mores, you can give it a red, white, and blue twist with our all-American s'mores or try the ba Patriot biscuit cups that you can tweak and add different toppings to. So all of those recipes are on our site at campingfoodrecipes.com. All definitely worth trying out. And um, while you're there, you should also click on submit a recipe so you can share your favorite camping food recipe for all of us to enjoy as well. So thank you for tuning in this week. And next week, I will be back with another favorite camping food recipe. How can you go wrong with cookie dough? With gigantic <laughs> cookies cooked over the campfire. Yeah. And you can make that, making that dough up at home and it freezes well. You can take it. All these good points. I bet you never thought of uh, cooking a cookie over the campfire. All right. When we come back in just a minute, we are going to uh, have part two of our interview about RV towing. This week, we're going to talk about towing a car behind your RV. So stay with us for the interview of the week. The one thing that can ruin a perfect RV trip is a bad mattress. And believe us, we know over the years, we've tried many and found them all wanting until now. Now we sleep on the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Quite simply, it's the best we've ever slept on. We chose a queen-sized Aurora Lux medium firm mattress that arrived tightly rolled in a box. All we had to do is put it on the bed, unroll it, and wait for it to recover from the compression. Then we put the sheets and the bed covers on, and we found we slept so well on it that we ordered another one for our home. That's how comfortable it is. Our sleep is now so luxurious and deep that we can't imagine using a different mattress. Shipping is free. And if you're disappointed with the current mattress in your RV, you owe it to yourselves to try the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Brooklyn Bedding sends out all of their RV mattresses from their own factory in Arizona. That means they're able to use premium materials at a reasonable price for you with no middleman bringing up the cost. And right now, if you visit rvmattress.com slash RV lifestyle, you'll get the maximum discount off your mattress with the promo code RV lifestyle. Again, use the promo code RV lifestyle for a big discount on your RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. We're sure you'll be as thrilled with your RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding as we are with ours. It really is the most comfortable mattress we've ever slept on. Now it's time for part two of our interview on RV towing. Last week, we met Gary Sippa. Gary is an instructor and the coordinator of the FMCA's RV Basics program. That's like a two and a half day intensive hands-on uh, tour of the maintenance and the things you need to do to maintain your RV. Gary is a, just a terrific instructor. He's a great guest. We had him on last week and he talked about um, towing an RV behind a truck or a tow vehicle of some sort. But this week, um, we had so much to talk about, we wanted to break it down into two parts. This week, we're going to talk about towing a car 
with an RV for those of you in a motorhome. And that is one of the most asked questions I think that we get out there. Some people call them a toad. Some call them a dinghy. But uh, here's Gary with part two of our interview. This time, how to tow, how to tow a car with your RV motorhome. When they get a motorhome, whether it's a, a class B, C, or an A, what uh, what are the first things they need to know about weight, tires, those things we talked about last week? Well, exactly the same thing. First of all, every motorhome will have a gross vehicle weight rating. It is really in the owner's best interest to be able to weigh each tire position individually. Tires again, are limited by their load rating, their maximum load rating. And each of those wheel positions should be within the tolerance for that weight. Now, again, you put water in the RV, people look at a big Class A or Class C, and they say, gee, I can carry anything in that. Uh, Not necessarily so. Uh, For some of the, for instance, a uh, Mercedes Sprinter, RV, motorhome, Um, oftentimes the gross cargo weight, and that would include all the occupants, all the water, a water heater, all your food, all your goodies. I have seen those numbers as low as six or 700 pounds. Now, if you take two people that are 200 pounds a piece, Uh, You don't have a lot of room to put clothes, lawn chairs, and everything else into it. What you also have to understand that when you're pulling another vehicle, first of all, the hitch adds to the weight of the towing vehicle, in this case, a motorhome. You also have to make sure, absolutely, that the vehicle that you're towing is towable. Some vehicles are towable four down, some two down, some are not towable at all and must be put on a trailer. So there's a wide variety of parameters that you're looking at. Then you have to decide on a, first of all, a tow bar that goes between the motorhome and the towed. And then you also have to be able to install a what's referred to as a base plate on the toad that allows you to connect the motorhome to the toad. And of course, all of that adds more weight. More weight. And your toad also will have a weight on it. And what I've seen so many times, and I'm sometimes guilty of it myself, I tend to put my tools in my toad because I don't want to overload my motorhome. Well, that does add to the weight of the toad. And one of the things that we have to look at is every RV, every motorhome will have a weight rating on the hitch that is connected to it or attached to it. I have seen those as high as 10,000, 12,000 pounds in some of the super seas. But generally speaking, you're looking at about a... 500 pound total hitch weight and generally no more than five to seven thousand pounds of a total towed weight 
in generally that, 5,000 pounds. And, you know, I see so many uh, motorhomes down the road. Uh, they may be towing a, uh, a small car or a car with behind them. And then on the back of the car, they've got it loaded with e-bikes, each of which weigh 60, 65 pounds, plus an e-bike hitch, which weighs another 70, 50 to 70 pounds. Uh, and I look at that and, and I just shake my head, but people are not counting the weights of all this stuff. Absolutely right. And it's something that even experienced RVers do not sometimes look at all of the parameters. Something they've done for years, something they feel comfortable with. They did it with the last six RVs. This RV might be something totally different. This toad might be something totally different. Now, so many people want to bring a toad when they travel, and you can see why, because you set up camp, and then you can leave it there, and you have a vehicle to run errands and shop and sightsee. You mentioned three different ways of, of towing. Um, I've always called them flat towing, which would be, what, four wheels down? Correct. All vehicles can't necessarily be towed four wheels down. Is that correct? How do we know whether ours can? Well, one of the best places to look is uh, uh, the FMCA, which is the Family Motor Coach Association, publishes yep. a listing every January, or right now I think it's February, that shows you exactly which new vehicles can be towed and what the limitations are. Some, and generally we don't ever want to tow faster than 65 miles per hour, but some may be limited to 60 or 65 miles per hour. Some may be towable for only five hours, and then they have to be run for uh, 15 minutes and run through transmission uh, shifting just to keep everything lubricated. But the manufacturer will tell you specifically, and when you're going to buy a vehicle, if you intend to tow that vehicle, one of the first things you need to do is look in the owner's manual under, uh, and they will call it usually dinghy towing. And that will tell you whether or not that vehicle can be towed in a two down, four down, or all four up position. Um, is there a best way to tow a vehicle? Each has advantages and disadvantages. Four down, you're not putting a lot more weight on the uh, hitch of the, the RV. It's just uh, simply the weight of the hitch itself. It's relatively easy to hook up. Sometimes you have to go through a special procedure, such as gear shifting or maybe bypassing a fuse, because more and more of the, the vehicles today uh, have advanced electronics in them. Uh, if you're towing four down, you have to have some type of auxiliary lighting on the uh, towed itself. And uh, that is generally by uh, all of the state laws. And usually that lighting has to be within two feet of the back end of the towed. Um, when you tow four down, uh, kind of a simple process. You hook up your tow bar, you hook up your lights, you hook up your safety chains, and uh, you go down the road, you do whatever the uh, manufacturer requires for the towed itself. You go down the road. Um, 
limitation, you cannot back up. So you pull into a uh, gas station, uh, 7-Eleven, you can't quite make it around the pumps. You're going to have to be pretty quick at disconnecting that toad and reconnecting it after you uh, get past the pumps. But you cannot back up or wheel down. Two wheel when you down, go to the two wheel, um, that's usually on a dolly, right? You put the, yep. That's usually uh, on the I also have to say that when you're towing four down, most states require that at 3,000 or 3,500 pounds, you must have auxiliary brakes on whatever you are towing, whether it's a trailer or whether it's a vehicle. And there are numerous different types of auxiliary braking systems, but you must have a braking system. Now, a tow bar is probably going to cost you a thousand dollars. A base plate, maybe seven fifty. But a braking system, generally, you're looking in excess of a thousand dollars. Twelve hundred, fourteen hundred dollars is not out of line. So, when so you're, you're talking thirty five hundred bucks roughly to get to be able to to, to flat four wheel down towel thingy. Correct. Plus installation charges if you can't do it yourself. Yeah, I actually priced it. It was it was close to five with installation charges. But uh, so so there's some pros and cons. Um, what about um, a tow dolly with two down? Okay, tow dolly. Generally, the brakes are part of the tow dolly. Tow dolly can cost you thirty five hundred to fifty five hundred dollars, depending on what you buy and where you buy it. You actually have to drive your vehicle on to the the front end or back end up on the dolly. You connect it, you strap the unit on, you put your safety chains and attachments on, and you're ready to go. Uh, now you get to where you're going. Number one, you have to find a place to store the dolly. You've got this extra length and hanging out the back. Many people will put a hitch on their toad, and that allows them to move the dolly around once they wind up wherever they're at. Again, you cannot back up. So it's limiting, and in many cases, you're increasing the total length of your vehicle. So you, your front axle still has a, a tow hitch or a uh, tongue of the trailer, the, the dolly trailer, out in front of the vehicle, so it's probably the longest configuration that you would deal with. And people forget when it's long like that, how wide you have to make your turns, and you you, you, you look at a gas station and you can see all those scrapes on the sides of all the pumps and the poles. And all right, so then there's trailer towing, where you actually have a trailer that you drive the towed or the dinghy inside of and then connect that to the RV. What are the pros and cons of that? Let's go back to the first part of our conversation, and that is weight. First thing you're doing is uh, if I've got a 5,000-pound towed and uh, now I've got a 1,500, 2,000-pound trailer, uh, I need a pretty substantial RV, which probably limits me to a Class uh, A diesel pusher or a super C, 
which again is a diesel. Uh, advantage, you can back up. Uh, it, it, the versatility is wonderful. You've added a great deal of weight to your overall vehicle. And uh, it's a little bit, it's probably six of one of half a dozen of the other of what it takes to get a towed on a flatbed or an enclosed trailer. But I have seen trailers as, as big as 25, 30 feet being pulled behind a Class A motorhome. Wow. Gary, you have been a wealth of information in these past two segments about one of the most confusing and uh, most popular topics that we can talk about. It's uh, towing and weight and uh, all of that. Uh, you mentioned last week about one of the good places to get everything um, measured and weighed is at a big rally like the FMCA, they have a rally coming up um, in August, I think, of this year. Absolutely. And, and there's usually places there. Other big rallies will often have them. You mentioned scales. But I, my biggest takeaway from the past two weeks is that we need to know how much our units weigh before we do a lot of driving with them. Absolutely. And, and uh, I know, you know, we, we have an industry that we're dealing with that want to sell vehicles, but um, this topic really is not covered much by, uh, by the salespeople and, and the manufacturers. They just want to sell those vehicles. Well, that's one of the things that we do in RV Basics, uh, Mike, is we're trying to give people that uh, benchmark information that they need to make good decisions. And to be able well, to I, right question. I highly recommend uh, that uh, people join the FMCA and attend one of their big rallies that they have. There's regional rallies as well, but I know that you teach those at the uh, at the big ones, and uh, um, we we need to know a lot more about this than most of us do. And Gary, you've helped uh, close that knowledge gap a lot in the last two weeks. So I want to thank you so much for being with us and. Uh, as we get questions, uh, I'd love to have, be able to call you up and get your take and help me answer some of those questions uh, as we go down the as we go down the line. Be happy to help anytime I can, Mike. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. That was a great interview from Gary. Thank you so much, Gary. And uh, if you're a member of FMCA, uh, twice a year he does that RV Basics program, and it's like two and a half days before their big annual conventions. They do one coming up in just a couple of weeks, I think out in Wyoming this year, and then one uh, in the spring. So always in the spring and the summer. Come early and you can take that course. But uh, interesting information about towing. Yeah, and do you think next week we should do a story on towing a travel trailer or things like that behind your RV. I know a lot of people wonder at that, marvel at that. We had a question about that. Yeah, well, we did that ourselves one We year. did that. We had a Class B Class road trip, and we towed a uh, ultralight 19-foot travel trailer. We took it up and down the Rockies. And where did we travel? All over the Rockies. And uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, yeah, I saw. You can do it. I saw on our Facebook page, uh, our Facebook group, somebody had uh, posted a picture of an RV towing a travel trailer. So it can be done. It sure can. All right. All right. Thanks again to Gary for that. Uh, when we come back, the news of the week. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, 
and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World. And as we talk about it, as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount. If you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10, when you buy $99 or more in merchandise, you'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and that we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. All right, welcome back. Time now for the RV news of the week. And boy, that uh, extreme heat is still making the top of the news list today. The extreme heat in much of the country has led to the most heat-related deaths in national parks since 2007. At least five people have died from heat-related causes in the national parks this summer, and many more have become ill with heat-related illnesses. The deaths have been in Big Ben, the Grand Canyon, and Death Valley as temperatures, especially in the West, surge to triple digits. Wherever you're camping this summer, it's good to be prepared for an emergency, be it from extreme heat or something else. Yep. Um, be prepared. That's what the Boy Scouts used to say. Uh, in fact, when we're talking about heat, did, did you see what the rangers at Zion National Park did this past week to, to demonstrate very vividly how dangerously hot it can get inside a vehicle and why children or pets should never be left alone in a vehicle. Uh, Rangers at Zion National Park literally baked cookies on the dashboard of a car. They whipped up some cookie dough and they put them on a cookie sheet and then they left them on the dashboard. And three hours later, they brought them out. They were completely baked, even a little bit crunchy. And the point was to show how hot it got. They say that it can easily reach 200 degrees uh, when the temperatures in the triple digits outside, uh, as it has been in much of the West, uh, inside the vehicle, it's 200 degrees. And that's why you should never leave food in there. you know, unless it's for sure refrigerated inside and never pets. Always, um, if you have pets and you're going to a place like a national park that isn't pet friendly, get a pet sitter. And uh, that's so much better than uh, leaving your pets there and, and worrying about them. Uh, we did a, a story and we'll put a link to it in the show notes about where you can find pet sitters around the country. Just go to rvlifestyle.com slash podcasts. Retail sales for RVs are so low. At least one large dealer says it feels like a recession with sales the lowest they've been since 2015. That's pretty low. I mean, um, that was just the 2008 recession was bad and they didn't really come out of it until starting 2015, 2016. So that's pretty bad. Uh, Why is it so bad? Why do they say? Well, it's the interest rates. What are they? The interest rates are 10%. I know that about 80% of um, RVers, when they're buying RV finance, so obviously that would be it, wouldn't it? Yeah, it sure would affect it. And uh, normally RV sales are a predictor of the economy, of a recession. Now, they say, the government says, well, we're not in a recession, that we had some actual growth in, in June. But uh, boy, in Elkhart, <laughs> tell them tell that. Them that there. Elkhart, right. Yeah. Um, um, you know, one other thing about Elkhart that's interesting is that everybody says, well, you know, they're, they're laying off people or people aren't working. Well, this is the summer slowdown. A lot of the plants close. 
So uh, the 2024 models are just like our new Montana just came off the line a couple of weeks ago. So they're just starting to roll their 24, uh, their 24 models. So. so this would be a really good time if you're looking for an RV to get a used RV. Check out that market. Yep. It is. Um, about stolen RVs. It's a great story. A Texas couple had their RV stolen uh, a while ago. And guess where they found it? They found it on sale on Facebook Marketplace. And they actually went to the house where it was listed for sale. They contacted police and they got it back. So that's the, the, the bottom line of the story. But it's interesting. The couple's security camera showed a pickup truck that came to their house and took their trailer, their travel trailer one night. They did file a police report. And um, the smart couple, because they diligently started scouring Facebook Marketplace to see if the thief would try and list it and sell it for cash. And sure enough, soon they saw the folding ladder that they had with that being sold off. Uh, they call that a stroke of luck. Uh, and so they uh, did a little checking and they found out where that ladder was located. They had a friend drive by and sure enough, sitting in the driveway was their RV. So they, they called the police. The police took over from there. They arrested the thief. They returned their rig. And uh, uh, it's a good example, by the way, of um, checking a VIN when you're buying a, a used RV. Because people, you know, individual people, they don't check it. They could just give you, here's our unit. Give me the money. Goodbye. That could be stolen. And so uh, we have a story about how to check the VIN the VIN number, the vehicle identification number. And we'll link that in the show notes, rvlifestyle.com uh, slash podcast. All right. We talked about how bad the industry was, but maybe we need to get a report from the industry itself. And that would be our regular correspondent, uh, Rick Kessler. Rick is the executive editor of the industry leading publications, RV Business uh, and Woodall's Camping Magazine. And um, he's going to pick up and talk about RV shipments uh, and how bad uh, the industry says they have become. Hey, thanks, Mike and Jen, and good to see everybody again. Well, let's start with the latest RV shipments report from the RV Industry Association. And keep in mind that this is the number of RVs that were built and shipped to dealers, not the amount that were actually sold to, at dealerships. In June of this year, manufacturers built 24,095 RVs, which is down 46.4% compared to June of last year. And it's a similar story year to date as RV shipments are down just about 50% year over year. It's really the same story, folks. Manufacturers are cutting back way back on production as dealers are trying to sell excess inventory. And that same supply versus demand scenario is why several of the RV industry's publicly traded companies all reported some pretty significant decreases in their quarterly reports this past week, including Patrick Industries and Lazy Days and also the Shift Group, which is the parent company of Spartan RV Chassis. Of course, the soft market hasn't stopped some people from expanding as Camping World acquired dealerships in both Arkansas and Indiana, and Lazy Days opened a new store in Knoxville, Tennessee. By the way, Camping World is now up to an even 200 stores nationwide. Well, that's the latest industry news from RV Business and Woodall's Campground Magazines. Mike and Jen, we'll see you next week. 
Wow, can you believe Camping World has 200 stores around the country now? 200 plus, yeah. growing. They are, no man, stopping they are them. really on an acquisition <laughs> stage. Uh, okay, when we come back, the RV uh, tip of the week with uh, Queen Bee RV. And uh, Brenda is going to talk to us about inverters and converters. Do you know what the difference is? She'll tell you, coming up. When we're asked, what's the most important modification we made to our RV? It's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And battleborn batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Welcome back. And now it's time for the tip of the week. Yeah. I bet you know the difference between inverters and converters. I do. But um, it is a confusing item because at first blush, they seem to do the same thing, but they don't. Uh, Brenda from Queen Bee RV is a, um, a certified RV inspector, and she is an expert on all this stuff. And she is going to walk us through what we need to know about converters and inverters. Have you ever wondered, do I have an inverter in my rig? And is that different from the converter? And the answer is yes. So this week, let's do an overview of the RV inverter. Check it out. Let's begin with talking about the differences between the converter and the inverter. First of all, all rigs have a converter. If you remember, that's what is helping to operate all those 12 volt DC systems and charge your battery when you're plugged into shore power. Not all RVs have an inverter. Some had it installed at the manufacturer, but typically it's an aftermarket product. Let's talk about what the inverter does. The inverter will take low volts, 12 volts DC from your battery, and it will change it, or I remember it this way, it will invent, so to speak, 120 volts AC to operate some of those bigger ticket items like the air conditioner, microwave, maybe some outlets, water heater on electric option and your absorption refrigerator. So why do RV owners want an inverter set up? There's a variety of reasons. When they're not plugged into shore power as they're traveling, RV owners might need to operate a receptacle and outlet to say plug in some medical equipment or some electronics. They might wanna keep the food cold in the refrigerator and not use the propane option while they're driving. Some RV owners will be stopping over for a night, let's say in their off-grid at the Cracker Barrel or the Walmart where they don't have utility connections and they just need to operate a few things overnight. And then some people wanna take it all the way and get a big solar setup with inverters and a big bank of batteries to operate all or pretty much most of those 120 volt items. Let's talk about the different sizes of inverters. Now they are rated by their wattage output. It might be a little standalone unit that has a single receptacle that it is operating. 
all the way up to these big daddies like the one behind me. This is one of the props that we use to teach with in our solar class here at the Big Red Schoolhouse. This one is a 3000 watt inverter. And in fact, this one is also a combo. It's a charger and an inverter. You'll see this kind of setup sometimes too with a big bank of batteries and a solar setup so that people can run all or most of their 120 volt items. So how do you decide which setup is good for you? You're going to begin with an energy audit. Make a list of all the 120 volts AC appliances that you want or need to operate for your situation, like that air conditioner, the microwave, those outlets, water heater, refrigerator. Make your list and give that to your dealership, your mobile tech, or your repair shop so they can match you with the right inverter setup. I hope this information was helpful. Are you a female RV traveler? Want to learn more about safety, some maintenance, and troubleshooting on your RV? Head to queenbeerv.com and click on events to see the locations of our nationwide women's RV workshop tour. We'll see you there. Back to you, Mike and Jen. Information is power. This energy audit sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it does. Know the drain that all those things you turn on your RV causes to your electrical system. All right, time now for the app of the week, uh, taken from the pages of NewTravelTech.com. That's our sister blog that celebrates the many ways technology enhances the entire travel experience. And we have found one of the best weather apps uh, for RV travel and general road trips is something called Drive weather. It um, takes the National Weather Service weather forecast and it shows the weather along a route uh, when you reach each point. So you'll know, you know, in two hours heading down uh, I-5, it's going to look like this. Or if you're going down I-75, uh, when you uh, get to Atlanta, it's going to be like this. Uh, it's available for either platform, uh, iOS or Android. Um, there's a monthly subscription, or you can get a free version with limited features. Uh, full review uh, at NewTravelTech.com. When we come back, the questions of the week. Stay with us. Are you ready to embark on an unforgettable adventure in your RV? Our RV Lifestyle Travel Guide eBooks are your ultimate companions for exploring North America's most breathtaking destinations. They'll help you hit the road with confidence and make the most out of your RVing experience. We're Mike and Jennifer Wendland, and we are passionate explorers and the authors of an entire library of RV Travel Guide eBooks. We have meticulously put together detailed travel maps showing you the best routes, where to stay, what hidden gems to discover along the way. From the majestic Yellowstone National Park to the vibrant colors of Colorado, the awe-inspiring beauty of Utah, the enchanting deserts of Arizona, the tranquil Great Lakes region, the pristine wilderness of the Adirondacks, We've even done a captivating three-part guide to RV travel and camping in Florida. No matter where your wanderlust takes you, we've got you covered. Our curated list of must-see attractions ensures that you won't miss out on any unforgettable experiences. You want to witness the eruption of Old Faithful? We've got you covered. Craving an epic road trip through breathtaking landscapes? We've got the perfect route for you. Dreaming of beachside camping under the stars? 
we know the best spots. With our eBooks available for instant download at rvlifestyle.com slash books, you can have the knowledge you need right at your fingertips. Head over to rvlifestyle.com slash books and start exploring the wonders of North America today. Unforgettable adventures are waiting. Now for the RV question of the week. We could only get a 30 amp spot at our favorite campground next month, but our fifth wheel is 50 amps. What do we do? In this heat, we really need air conditioning. This is our big summer vacation and we hate to give it up. Lacey. Well, the good news is, Lacey, you have two ACs on your fifth wheel. Uh, Usually there's one in the bedroom, one in the living room. Well, with 30 amps, you can run one of them, just not both as you would when you're hooked up to a 30 amp pedestal. So uh, obviously you have to have an adapter because that 50 amp plug is different than what goes in a 30 amp receptacle. But there's adapters. You should probably have one or you can get it at any big box store or on Amazon. Um, So use that. Plug in the 50 to the adapter and then the adapter and that goes in the 30 amp supply. And then you can run, you know, your living room during the day, turn it off and turn on your bedroom AC, um, all that. But beware of the microwave. Yes. The toaster, the hairdryer. Those are all energy draining uh, appliances. And that's why I like that audit. That Brenda was talking about. Yeah, that you know how much electricity you need for these different things. Yeah. So... No need to cancel that spot. Go have a great time, Lacey. And maybe when you're there, you can say, hey, if anything opens up with 50 amps, let us know. And then you can move into that spot as well. Have a great vacation out there. Hey, if any of you guys have a question or a comment, we would love to hear from you. We'll put our address down below and please send it to us. Yep. Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. We love getting comments and your questions. That's it for this week. 